0: I'm going to talk about an operation that you can perform that will make all the difference in your life. When you face hard things, which we all will eventually – think of examples like the pandemic, riots in your city, those sorts of things. When you face hard things, we either believe that it's going to be okay – or we believe that it's not going to be okay. We believe we're going to be fine, or we're going to get through it, or God's going to handle it, or God's going to carry us through it, or we believe that we're hosed, that we're abandoned, that we're alone, that he's not there, he doesn't exist, he doesn't love us. One of those two things, or sometimes a mix of them. Remember, don't ever forget that it's okay to doubt and trust at the same time. The guy in Mark said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I think he's the most honest guy in the Bible. So it's okay to have both, but, but generally we have one or the other at any given moment. When you have a problem and you face it with either that feeling of it's going to be okay or that I'm hosed, it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of faith. Regardless of whether or not you're a spiritual person, you have some baseline level of trust when you're going through something difficult, trust that you can or cannot get through it, that it is or is not going to ruin your life or your marriage or your happiness or your finances. There's there's a floor to your faith there's some baseline level of what you can go through before you give up and i'm here to tell you that you can learn to raise that floor you can learn to build the the bottom more solidly and higher so that when you fall you don't fall as far or as hard no matter what you've been through no matter what you're going through or what's coming there is a simple operation It's a type of self-brain surgery that will help you increase your ability to know that you can get through anything with your heart intact, your faith intact, your hope intact, no matter what happens. How? I call this operation the trust transplant. We're going to talk about it today. It's learning how to take the automatic thought, this is it, I'm done for, I'm hosed, I'll never get through this, or I might survive it, but my day is ruined, I can never be happy again, and cutting that thought out, sewing in something new, transplanting the damaged, rotten, dying faith for a belief that it's going to be okay no matter what is happening. That life or disease or pandemic or that guy or whatever might kill me or break my bank or give me a disability or cost me my job, but it can never break my spirit, make me unhappy or make me quit. That's what we want. We want to trade the thought that all is lost for this isn't going to take me out. I'm not going to lose to this thing. I'm going to get through this. It's going to be okay. God is faithful. That's what we're going for. You can get there, friend. But it does require surgery, self-brain surgery, to raise the floor of your faith. And we're going to learn the trust transplant. Remember, the theme verse for this series of podcasts is Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 in the Passion Translation. Can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? That's how you show that you're wise. An understanding heart keeps you cool, calm, and collected no matter what you're facing. And I believe that is the secret, one of the secrets to becoming infinitely happier, not just 10% happier, not just a little bit happier, but infinitely happier. Because learning to stay cool, calm, and collected, learning to believe that it's going to be okay, no matter what's happening, learning to bridle our tongues, learning to bridle our brains during a global pandemic, during riots in your city, during cancer diagnoses, during losing a child, going going through a divorce, going off to war, and trying to come home from it. All of those are able to be managed when you learn how to bridle your brain. It's self-brain surgery, and it's useful in everyday life. But how can we learn to bridle our brains when our circumstances that life gives us steal our faith? Well, friend, we're going to learn how to do that by learning the operation that I call the trust transplant. And we're going to learn how to do that starting today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Okay, lately we've been drilling into the idea of learning some techniques to sort of operate on our own minds, this self brain surgery idea, about learning strategies to identify and attack things that have been holding us back in our lives. And sometimes it seems like there's so many places in which we're struggling that we don't know how to get started trying to change any of them. But like I told you before, my dad always said if you want to eat an elephant, you do it one bite at a time. So the bite we're taking today is to learn how to perform an operation that I call the trust transplant. It might be the most important operation in the self-brain surgery bag of tricks if we want to learn how to be infinitely happier. Now here's the deal. When hard things happen, it's impossible for you not to crash in your faith, at least to some degree, at least for me it is. When hard things happen, you always fall a little bit. You wonder, is God God with me? Is this going to be okay? Are we going to make it? It's always normal to have some doubt, and that is not a problem. It's not wrong, especially Christians sometimes think that doubt is wrong, but it's not, and it's impossible for you not to have some sort of a crash or a dip in your faith. The question is, how far does your faith fall? How far does your trust tumble, and how does it recover, or does it recover at all? Remember, I gave you a quote from a book called uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I've I've mentioned it several times, but the quote was, when the pressure's on— You don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your highest level of preparation. When your pressure's on, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the highest level of preparation. I would suggest to you, friend, that you can substitute faith here. When you're hurting, when you're scared, when you're grieving, when you lose someone, your faith won't immediately rise up out of nowhere and save the day. No, usually it falls and it feels like it's going to crumble. So our task here then is to raise the floor of our faith, to keep building our faith all the time, even when we're not in trouble, so that we're steadying it, we're preparing it, we're raising the floor for when, not if, when life crashes in on us and we find ourselves plummeting again. So the question is, how do we build that faith? How do we build that trust so that we know, we know that it's going to be okay no matter what happens. Now understand I'm not saying it's always going to work out if you have enough faith. That is a false teaching. As a side, I've been hearing a lot of folks lately claim that Christians don't have to be afraid of catching the virus because of Psalm 91 and other biblical promises. But friend, that is a lie. You don't have to be afraid, but no matter how much faith you have, you can still get sick. Jesus never promised us magical protection from illness, and I will debate anybody who wants to say that Scripture says otherwise. It's not true. Jesus never said that we were protected from all harm. Didn't say it. What is true is that you can learn to know that God has you and loves you and will be with you no matter what you're facing all the way to the end of your life. And every faith healer out there who claims that you can tell God something and God has to do it if you have enough faith and donate enough money, all of those people have lost somebody, parents or spouses or grandparents. All of them have lost someone that they love. And does that mean that they didn't have enough faith? No, it doesn't. It means that Jesus was telling the truth when he said that we'd have trouble in this world, John 16, 33, and he was telling the truth when he said that he came to give us an abundant life, John 10, 10. both of those things are true. Look, when I started writing I've Seen the End of You, I thought it was about one thing. I thought it was about how I learned to help people who are going through hard things. And while I was studying people's responses to pain and hardship, I found out that there are basically four different types of reactions that people have to trouble. Now, I talked about this in the episode last November called I've Seen the End of You, if you want to go back and listen to that. But let me just recap it here. There are people that I call dippers, people like the character Samuel in the book. And again, all those people are, are real people with real um, brain tumors and other traumas that we, or other problems that we took care of, but I didn't use their real names in the story. But Samuel was what I call a dipper. He gets hit with a hard thing. His faith dips for a bit. Then he rebounds, and he comes back stronger than ever. No matter what happened to his underlying disease. Got to read the book to find out. Then there are people called that I call climbers. So Joey, a guy who was down and out, had a rough life, didn't really believe anything or didn't think God cared about him. And then something happened and changed him and he regained a new faith and everything ended up better for him in spite of the fact that he was very sick. Then there are people that I call crashers like Mrs. Andrews and the two suicide patients that I talked about in the book who thought they had faith and then something hard happened and their life kind of crumbled around them and they never recovered. And then there are people that we'll call maintainers, people who have a strong faith, their floor is high, they get hit with something hard and they, and they don't waver. They just hold on and hang in and everything works out for them in terms of their peace of mind and their joy separate from what happens to them in face of their disease. And the thing that was most interesting to me was that I figured out what separated these people, what separates the dippers and the climbers and the crashers and the maintainers. And what separates them is hope, it's faith, it's trust. It's somehow being able to find, repair, replace, or restore the hope, faith, and trust that was the key to how far people fell when they encounter hard things and whether or not they recovered Not just their medical situation, but their quality of life, their peace of mind, their relationships, their families. Did they recover or did they crash? And then while I was in the midst of thinking about how to help people with hard things, who are encountering hard things, and while I was starting to think that I'd figured it all out and beginning to write that book is when our son Mitchell died. And I was in the fire with those folks. Lisa and I were in the pit of despair, the furnace of suffering, as Isaiah called it, at the same time. Place where all those other folks were, and we were trying to find out if the bottom was going to hold for us. And in that process, that's when I learned about the trust transplant. Here's the deal when you're suffering, your brain tells you all kinds of things, things like this it's never going to be okay. It's never going to get better. You're not going to recover. The money's going to run out. All is lost. She's going to leave. He's never coming back. And the degree to which, my friend, the degree to which you believe those things, the degree to which you trust those things that your brain tells you will determine how hard and how far how far and how irreparably your heart will fall. And if the bottom doesn't hold, if you don't land on someplace solid— if you don't land on some foundation that you can trust, then you need brain surgery. If your heart or your kidneys or your lungs are diseased, if they're dying and they're not able to do their jobs, then modern medicine can often offer you a transplant. We can take somebody somebody else's healthy organ and place it in your body so that you can live again. And when the bottom falls out of your life... If we don't have that high floor, that high level of faith to catch us, like Nicholas Wartelstorf said in his book, um, Lament for His Son. He said faith is like a footbridge that we don't know will hold us up until we step out onto it. If we don't have that, then we can plunge into what Isaiah called the furnace of suffering, a place where there's no light, no peace, and no hope. That's a terrible place to be. And if you think of faith as an organ, and remember what Hebrews said, Hebrews 11.1 in 1, the New Living Translation said, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, another translation says. Then, if we can't find assurance or confidence that it's going to be okay, that is when we need a trust transplant. Let me tell you a story. It's from Daniel chapter 3 in the Old Testament. There's three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're Jews, and they're in captivity, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, decided that he was going to issue an order that everybody had to worship him. So when they announced that it was time to worship, you were supposed to fall down and worship the king. But these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were faithful to God, and they don't worship other gods or other people. They worship the true and living God. And when Nebuchadnezzar heard about this in Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 13, he said, or it said, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. This passage is basically Samuel. It's Rupert in my book. It's the type of faith that's held up by the dippers and the maintainers. It's the even if he doesn't Type of faith. Remember these guys. Uh, there was a Veggie Tales episode when my kids were little called Rack Shack and Benny about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys said that God, whom we serve, is able to save us and He will rescue us from your power. But even if He doesn't, we're going to still worship our God. Joey in my book didn't start with this kind of faith. His world was dark, and when he was alone, he was alone in his certainty that life was not going to ever be okay for him. But somehow. God's grace and God's mercy got to him through God's love and the love of his sister and his grandma and his girlfriend, Sharon Jean, and Pastor John and Jesus. Joey got a trust transplant, and it changed his life. Joey went from darkness and despair to deep trust and deep belief and deep confidence and deep peace of mind, and he died a comfortable man with an abundant life. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 8, verse 35, 37, 38, 39. Here's what it says. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Another translation says, despite all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ's love. Then he goes on, "...and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither fears nor today nor our worries about tomorrow." Read that again. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, the decree, the degree rather, that we can separate our events, our circumstances from joy, from peace, from the even if he doesn't is the degree to which we can have peace of mind and a sense of purpose and of being loved by God no matter what happens in our lives. Go back to Romans 8 for a second. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he doesn't love us if we have trouble, if we're persecuted, if we're hungry, if we're in danger? No, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. Because despite all these things, we are more than conquerors. We have overwhelming victory through Christ Because nothing can separate us from His love. And the degree that you can separate the troubles of life from the understanding that hard circumstances do not mean that God has abandoned you or doesn't love you or that He still has you is the degree to which you can be happier. And I believe if you can separate those permanently in your mind, friend, if you can give yourself that trust transplant that you can actually be infinitely happier. Because then circumstance can never steal your joy circumstance should never be able to take your joy friend remember a couple of episodes back i mentioned ephesians six seventeen about the sword of the spirit which is another way of saying the word of god this is the only offensive weapon in the list of the full armor of god the tools that were given the surgical instruments if you will to in scripture to use in the spiritual warfare of our lives this fight against discouragement and hopelessness and anxiety and despair i want you to think of scripture as your scalpel If you're not a believer, then think of filling up your mind with good words, memories, things that you know to be true, things that you can call to mind when everything seems impossible. This is spiritual brain surgery. It's the instrument that you'll use for the trust transplant procedure. Now, let's go back one more time and read that passage in Romans 8 with this in mind, this idea that Scripture can serve as your scalpel against despair and hopelessness. What shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present or the future, or any powers or height or depth or anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, hear that again. Race riots. COVID-19, glioblastoma, bankruptcy, divorce, war, trouble, hardship, none of those things can separate you from the love of Christ. That is the trust transplant. When, When the pressure's on, what happens to your heart? Are you Samuel? Do you dip a little bit and then bounce back? Are you Joey where you start in a dark place and find the light and find happiness because you've found the Lord? Are you Rupert? Do you never dip, never waver? Are you the kid who shoots himself in the head because you can't find hope and you can't see the light? Or are you in the camp with old Rack Shack and Benny and be able to say, even if he doesn't, I'm still going to be okay. Those guys would, would not bow their knee to a false god, even in the face of a fiery furnace. So the question for today is what will we do In the face of a global pandemic, of a brain tumor, of losing a child or a spouse, or facing financial trouble, or the end of a relationship, or your city on fire, will we land on the solid ground of knowing that God's other promise from Romans 8, verse 28, when he says he can work out our lives for good no matter what happens, or will we collapse into despair and hopelessness? Now, there's a word of caution here. Sometimes we get a transplant, but the new organ doesn't work. Now, my nephew passed away when I was uh, younger, my brother's son, and he donated his kidneys. So somebody got to receive an organ from our family, from our DNA, and it gave somebody another chance at life. But a friend of ours had a heart transplant, and the heart that she received never started, and she died in the operating room. Because sometimes the organ that we transplant doesn't work, or we get the wrong thing, and the tissue type isn't right. Or sometimes, and this is where I want you to listen to me, Sometimes we transplant the wrong thing. We transplant a substance, and we end up with an addiction instead of a fixed problem. Sometimes we substitute things that I call surrogates, habits, pornography, relationships, television, food, comfort food, alcohol. Sometimes we, sur- we substitute people to place our trust in. And if those things don't turn out to solve the problem that you're really trying to solve, which is a a gap in faith of knowing that God is with you, if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't work, if it's the wrong type of thing, like getting a pancreas when you really needed a lung, it's not going to work. Now, I'm really excited that in a couple of days, on Tuesday, in fact, I'm going to record a conversation with a writer from Arkansas named Seth Haynes. He's an attorney. And he has written two just stunningly beautiful books, at least in i read, about addiction and recovery. The first one was called Coming Clean, and the second was called The Book of Waking Up. And Seth, I believe, is going to tell us his story about transplanting God's love and healing in place for his diseased trust that he was treating with a surrogate, gin and whiskey, and how that trust transplant made all the difference for him. Another one of my favorite writers is Jensen Franklin. He's a pastor in Atlanta, and he wrote a book called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt that changed my life. And he did a Bible study on you Version called Restart Your Heart. And I'll put the link in the show notes for all of this stuff. But you should do that study. It's five days. It's free. And Restart Your Heart is based on Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. And it's where I'll leave you today. Jensen wrote this. I can tell you with great confidence that in every situation of great offense or personal attack that however I chose to respond, God was always waiting in that place where my eyes lifted off my circumstances and turned to look for Him. Every time my focus shifted, He was there, and He will do the same for you. Friend, the conclusion of my book, I've Seen the End of You. Basically, to sum it up, is that hopelessness is deadlier than cancer. Hopelessness, loss of faith, lack of trust its worse than anything that can happen to you in your life. Because if you lose hope, even if you recover from your brain tumor, even if you get your money back, even if you fix your marriage, if you don't have hope, you'll never have happiness. And when your hope, when your faith, when your trust is shattered or diseased, you need a transplant. You need to know that the bottom will hold because faith is everything. And one key to finding it again is to stop thinking about the circumstance and start thinking about the history poem of your life. Remember a few episodes ago, I talked about history poems, how history always rhymes. And what I mean by that is even even if you're not spiritual, this will hold true for you. I want you to realize that if you are affluent enough to be listening to this podcast on a smartphone or on a computer or on the speakers in your car, if you're affluent enough to do that, then all of those times when you thought you were going broke, you didn't go broke. Because you had enough money to buy a phone to listen to this podcast on. If you're alive to hear this, then all those times you thought you weren't going to make it, you actually made it. So if you you can always think back and realize that you've been through hard stuff before and you got through it, somehow God got you through it. Somehow you made it through, even if you don't believe in God. Somehow, whether it was your willpower or luck or your lucky stars or whatever you want to call it, somehow you made it through. So why wouldn't you allow yourself to trust that you'll make it through again? Friend, God has gotten you this far. He's not going to quit now. And when it's time for your life to end, he has something even better for you. If you trust, if you have faith, and if you need a transplant, then today is the day to get it done. Don't wait. Shift your perspective from the what if to the even if he doesn't and it'll make all the difference in your life. This is self-brain surgery, friend. It's biblical. It's consistent with neuroscience. It is good self-care, and it'll help you.